Jeff, will you stand up for me? And you can actually just have your whole family stand up. I know we're putting you on the spot here for a moment. Yes, you can clap for them. Jeff and his whole family are uh, joining staff, and this is actually their first Sunday on staff, his first day on the job. And uh, make sure you get to know them. Uh, First of all, Jeff is going to be planting a church, hopefully within about two years in the Coeur d'Alene area. If you're at all in that area, and you will want to talk with him as we're already dreaming of uh, how God is leading us and directing us in that uh, direction to plant another church and uh, to continue to move forward in that area. So make sure you see them and their whole family. You guys can sit down um, and uh, just make them feel welcome. He's going to, like I said, their whole family will be with us for this season of time uh, with the goal of about a year and a half to two years from now or whenever God leads during this season to uh, begin uh, to form groups out there. And in fact, some of those groups are already forming. And then out of that, will, Lord willing, um, spring up another church uh, that's eager to do mission in the Coeur d'Alene area and to see people come to know Jesus. So if you're in that area, if you're interested even in just church planning and what that looks like, I'd encourage you to talk with them as a family. All right, let me pray. And um, then we will jump into this value of hospitality. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that you are a hospitable God, that you are a God that welcomes us in, that we have been, for many of us in this room, included in your family, that we would be known as sons and daughters of the King, and we are grateful that you have demonstrated that to us. And this morning, as we look at that value of being a person that demonstrates hospitality, I pray that you would not only encourage us in areas in which we are demonstrating that, but to also challenge us to be people who model and reflect the very life that Jesus lived among us. God, may you uh, just reveal these things to us, speak through Kevin, and, uh, and just challenge us now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody? Good morning. How are we doing today? Pretty good. Uh, So we are in the sixth Sunday or the sixth month of Chasing After Our Values. For the first Sunday of the last, uh, the five months previous to this one, we've been taking one of our seven values and exploring that value at greater depth. So today we're going to be talking about hospitality. We will actually end doing this next month with the value of generosity, Uh, just to give you a heads up on where we're going. Excuse me, and then we will uh, next week be back into the book of Matthew. And if you've not been tracking with us over the last couple of weeks, we are studying the book of Matthew essentially for the entire year. Uh, we're not going to be doing it straight through. We're going to be kind of bouncing around, but we'll be, um, we'll be pretty settled deep into the book of Matthew for the next year. So to give you a heads up of where we're going, where we're at currently. So let me uh, start by asking a quick question. When I say hospitality... What are some of the first thoughts that come to mind? And I'm actually looking for you guys to shout these out. So I say hospitality. What are the first things? Food. Food was the first one that the the other group said, too. Okay, so food. What else? Warmth. Good. Welcome and sharing. Is that what we said? Okay. What was it? Clean sheets. That's a good one. Okay, we didn't hear that one last time. What else? Hospitality. Kindness. Good. Family and poor people, okay? Interesting. 
What else? Acceptance, good. Josh, did you listen to the last one? <laughs> he already podcasted it. He's already heard it. Because uh, that's really good. Um, yeah, so we have a lot of things that kind of come to mind when we begin to think about hospitality. Here's some things that I think of. Martha Stewart is one person that immediately pops into my mind. The entire, like, kind of living simple magazine idea and all that stuff. A couple of things. Holiday meals. Whenever I think of hospitality, I think of the holidays for some reason. Big meals, family around a table. Some of us may actually think of inconvenience. Hospitality is not always the most convenient thing. My mind goes right to cleaning the house, too. I was raised in an environment where whenever my family, my mom, or my dad would host people, that my mom would scurry around the house for three hours previous, tidying up things and having me put my stuff away and reducing piles and all that kind of stuff. So I think of cleaning the house right away as well. So we have a lot of different ideas that come to mind. And I would say that hospitality is maybe the most transcendent value across cultures. Every culture values hospitality at some level. I had an incredible experience um, in 2008, so a couple of years ago now, to travel throughout Africa for about uh, 30 days or so. And I spent some time in South Africa in Kenya and in Tanzania, and, and my time specific in Kenya was unique because I was served in ways that I have never experienced before. We stayed, uh, I traveled with, a, with another gentleman, and we were doing some uh, teachings and trainings down there to other youth leaders. I was uh, involved in youth ministry at this point, and uh, we stayed with a, a family, the Rupra family, and there's going to be a picture that shows behind me here. Uh, Jess Winder and Harjinder are their names. So that's us, and Jesswinda and Harjinder are the, the two people standing right next to me there. Um, that is a real beard, by the way. Um, and so we stayed with this family. They are a Sikh family, so they practice the, the Sikh faith, but they were fourth-generation Kenyan. So they grew up in Kenya. Their parents grew up in Kenya. Their parents' parents grew up in Kenya and so forth, but... Uh, but they were a Sikh family. That Actually, the, the lady standing there is their next-door neighbor, and she was Coptic. Uh, so Egyptian Christian, it's, it's crazy when you get into other cultures, uh, the way that um, the diversity that we see that we don't necessarily see here. But I stayed with the Rupert family for 10 days. The Rupert family had what they referred to as a house lady or a, 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 essentially a maid. Ruth was her name. Root is what they called her. Uh, they didn't have the TH down so much. And so Ruth essentially was a maid, and she did kind of everything. I mean, she cooked meals and cleaned the house and, um, and prepared um, tea time for us every day. So every day at 10 o'clock, if uh, the guy I was traveling with and I, if we were around at, at 10 a.m., we'd come down and there would be tea prepared for us and cookies and different types of pastries. And if you've ever had African tea, it is incredibly delicious and very, very sweet. There's a ton of sugar in it. We would sit down there, and we would just sit in the living room and have tea, and then that would happen again around 3 or 4. We would have another tea time. Uh, all of our meals were prepared for us. I mean, incredible, incredible food. Um, every day I would come home if we had left, and my clothes would have been washed and folded neatly on my bed. I'd, you know, I'd wore them once, and a number of times I said, Ruth, you don't have to do my laundry. I, you know, I can wear my underwear again. That's okay. I mean, I'm traveling. I pack light. This is just kind of the, this is the way it is. And she, she would not have it. She would go up and find my dirty clothes in my room and wash them and fold them. And um, 
I, you know, I would offer to help do the dishes after the meal or help prepare a meal, and, and both Ruth and then Jeswinda as well. No, 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 you're our guest. They just, I mean, it was almost offensive if we tried to step in and help in some way. And the guy I traveled with who had actually lived in Kenya for six years, he kind of became a cultural interpreter for me, and he said, no, it's, this is, they value this. This is their joy to be hospitable in this way. So just accept it and love it and, and be in it and learn from it. It was a, a really a pretty beautiful experience. I mean, it almost kind of makes you feel guilty when you're in it because people are running around all around you trying to help you have the, the best possible time. But it was this really beautiful experience of being hosted, of experiencing hospitality. Similar to my experience in Africa, in the early church, hospitality was of great importance. Some would even argue that it was viewed as maybe the most significant marker of discipleship. That hospitality was, it it just was synonymous with being a Christian, with following Jesus Christ. This maturity in faith in the early church when people were, were known as hospitable people was seen in a couple of primary ways. The first being the welcoming of a stranger. The early church was known for being an, an open body, a welcoming body towards strangers, caring for the sick. People would open their homes to sick people, that their families, when they became sick, would stay with them. And then obviously the sharing of meals. So much of that culture surrounded the dinner table. And so these were some of those kind of significant areas where we really see hospitality taking place in the early church. But hospitality is no longer just a simple cultural gesture towards another person. It's actually a multi-trillion dollar a year industry at this point. Let me throw out two stats to you. Hospitality is the fastest growing industry in the world, and it will add one new job every 2.5 seconds. The hospitality industry is the nation, referring to our nation, the United States, the nation's number one employer behind the government. 8.1% of all jobs are jobs in the hospitality industry. Trillions and trillions of dollars go into lodging and food and tourism and so forth. So this idea of hospitality is a big deal. It's not just a simple gesture towards another person anymore. And I would actually say that over the last... 2,000 years, the Christian church has lost much of its focus on hospitality. That we have, at some points, even allowed it to become institutionalized. That we have passed it off for other people to take care of. Think about it in this way. Instead of housing strangers, we've now built hotels for strangers. Instead of caring for the sick and housing the sick, we've built hospitals and nursing homes for the sick amongst us. Our shared meals often are crammed in between our busyness and our daily lives. We no longer have this idea, this concept of actually sitting down and being present with one another around the dinner table. So we've kind of institutionalized some of this stuff. We've passed it off. We've said we can't be bothered with this idea of hospitality. I think if you were to have a sober evaluation of where we're at, you could identify that there is great tension in chasing after the American dream and being a person of great hospitality. Those two things don't often mesh all that well. And I think if we've swayed one way, we may have distanced ourselves from the practice of hospitality in our efforts to chase after that dream. 
I would argue that at, at an individual level, we have lost this focus. At a corporate level, we have lost this focus. And yet it can be found, and I would promise you that it will reinvigorate discipleship as we, as individuals, we as a body begin to reopen ourselves towards this idea of hospitality. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into the scriptures here. Lord, we need help. We cry out for your mercy and your grace in our often uh, feeble attempts to be your disciples. Open your word to us this morning so that we may hear from you, that we may see the ways in which you are calling us to be hospitable. Help us to take the steps necessary for that. Be with us, Lord, and, and I pray that you would unify our hearts, unify our minds as we chase after this, as we chase after all of our values. Lord, we love you and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let me read this value statement for you first. So this is New Community's value statement of hospitality. It will be up behind me. It says this, Intentionally living life with an open posture toward the outsider and our friends. This happens by inviting people into our homes and lives, taking chances, serving others, and using our possessions with a purpose. When we begin to think about hospitality in, in biblical terms, we turn to a couple of significant passages, and I'm actually going to have you guys read these out this morning. So the four passages are behind me. Would somebody volunteer to stand up and read Romans 12, 9 through 13? Thank you. First uh, Timothy 5, 9 through 10? Somebody with a loud voice. Great. Thanks, Ben. Uh, Titus 1, 7 through 9? Perfect. And Hebrews 13, 1 through 2. Last one, shortest one. This one's the easy one. Per you, you go. We'll go over here. Different areas of the room. Okay, so perfect. Let's start. Uh, and, and if you can, stand up and really project. We'll start with that Romans passage. Okay. <laughs> Reading it on the smartphone. That is outstanding. Let's skip that one. We'll come back to it. First Timothy. Oh, okay. That first Timothy verse. And then we'll end with the Hebrews verse. 
Great. So these tend to be four verses that we turn to when we begin to talk about hospitality. If you don't turn here, then you'll probably go to Genesis 18, and you'll look at Abraham as he entertains three men who actually turn out to be angels, and he's scurrying around trying to make their stay as pleasant as possible. You may turn to one of the many stories or teachings or parables in, uh, in the Gospels where Jesus doesn't necessarily teach specific on hospitality, but teaches in and around the idea and really shows us that hospitality is a godly trait. So interesting about these verses, the ones in the New Testament, the Old Testament stories, the teachings of Jesus in the parables uh, and, and throughout the Gospels, really show us that we are to be hospitable. But they don't necessarily show us why we are to be hospitable. They imply that we should care for one another. They say that we are to be hospitable to our Christian brothers and sisters, that hospitality must be displayed in order for someone to be qualified as an elder or an overseer, that hospitality is a marker of the goodness of the widow, and that even in being hospitable, sometimes we may be entertaining angels, but they don't really get at the idea of why the Christian is supposed to be hospitable. I think to truly practice it, to truly understand it, we have to know the why, we have to chase after the how as well. So we'll look at the why first, and then that how will come towards the end, and it's going to be a little more practical in nature. So let's answer this question of why. Why are we to be hospitable? And for that, let's turn to Psalm 23. This is what Psalm 23 says. Many of you will know this. This will sound familiar. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is perhaps maybe one of the most loved scriptures in the entire Bible. When we read it, I think we tend to focus on God as the shepherd, which is then reiterated in John 10 as Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd and then teaches kind of throughout this metaphor of the sheep and shepherd. But let's not forget that there are actually two views of God in this psalm, in Psalm 23. The first, God as shepherd, which we all know. And then the second, this is just a quick sketch I did so you guys could see this. Uh, and then the second, later on in verses 5 and 6, is this idea of God as host. Now, hear this. Because God's gracious hospitality, we have been given full access to the incredible life he offers. And so we should be hospitable because our God is hospitable. Let me say it again. Because God's gracious hospitality, we have been given full access to the life that he offers. And so we should be hospitable because our God was first hospitable. He is the great host. Now, we don't necessarily think of him as the host that often. And even if God is host is not the first thing that comes to mind, he is the king that offers incredible hospitality. And we see that in this psalm, in Psalm 23. 
It's a beautiful picture of a hospitable king. It gives us this imagery of the banquet table. Think about it this way. The banquet table was set before we even knew it. God was already ready for us. It's set in the anticipation of our arrival, and God desires nothing more than for us to join him there. We are welcomed, and in customary fashion, we are anointed with oil. In this culture, that would have been the sign of full acceptance, of respect. You come into my home, I will anoint you, saying that we are equals, that I respect you, that you are accepted into my life. The banquet is one of such great blessing, the scripture says that it's compared to a cup that overflows. His abundant provision and protection is all around us. The banquet is so incredible that it's compared to a cup that just continues to be overflowing. And inviting us there is just the start. It's the extravagant and unconditional love that really is the authentic marker of God's hospitality. It's what defines him as the king of hosts. Finally, the imagery in the psalm is not simply temporal, but eternal. The goodness and mercy of God are eternal, and so his offer to be hospitable to us is for all time. This isn't just a one-time deal, but it is eternal. God is our host and shows us hospitality forever. You see, hospitality is all about unconditional acceptance and unmerited favor. And it's in this way that the greatest act of hospitality is done on the cross. Unconditional acceptance and unmerited favor towards another. God is the great host because he has accepted us into his family, that we are welcomed to his table by no merit of our own. And so when we begin to offer hospitality in this same way, when we unconditionally accept others, then we begin to bring a little bit of heaven right here to earth. We get a share in the eternal value of being hospitable towards another person. This psalm shows us that hospitality is about seeing the other, recognizing their intrinsic value as a human being, and then caring for them in the same ways that the Father has cared for us. The practice of welcoming the stranger is a very defined practice of the kingdom. And its ultimate goal is seen in trying to tear down the divisions between people, getting back to that, ex- that full acceptance, unconditional acceptance. This is why we are to be hospitable. This is why hospitality is a value of new communities. This is why hospitality is a call for all Christians. We are hospitable because the king was first hospitable to us. It's pretty beautiful when you think about it in that way, when you read Psalm 23 in that way. Now, I know that it's not just as easy as reading the psalm maybe through a different lens and then saying, oh, great, well, I'm going to go home and be hospitable now. This is tough. There's a reason why the Christian church has had struggled with this over the last 2,000 years. This isn't an easy call. Not much of what Jesus calls us into is real easy. I think there are a couple of ways 
that we can begin to talk about it, though, a couple of ways that are real practical that will help us to chase after this idea of being hospitable. It takes practice. Like any other kind of discipline, being hospitable takes practice. The first time you fast is probably a lot harder and challenging in different ways than the 30th time you fast. Disciplines take practice. Hospitality is one of those things. But it is important to remember that it's not really our choice to be hospitable. We are called to be hospitable. We don't get to choose whether or not this is one thing that we want to do or we don't want to do. It's just a function of being a part of the kingdom of God. When we say we want to be a part of the kingdom, that means we are opening ourselves to become hospitable towards other people. It's a marker of authentic discipleship, just like it was in the early church. And it's a reality of our call to follow Jesus, that we are to welcome others in the same way that he has welcomed us. Christine Pohl, who writes a lot about this topic, says this, Hospitality is not so much the task as it is a way of living our lives and sharing ourselves. She goes on to say, Hospitality will not occur in any significant ways in our lives, homes, or churches, unless we give it deliberate attention. This is something that we practice together. And so let's get kind of practical here, and let's talk about three things that I think are elements of hospitality that we could be better at. All three of these things can be found in Psalm 23, and I'm not going to break them down all that way. As you continue to study and chase after this, you can begin to see these things emerge in Psalm 23. But let's look at that first one. And the first one is this. We're into the how portion now. The creation of space. I break the creation of space into two ways. The first, becoming less busy. When you ask somebody how they're doing, one of the first things that somebody will answer is, hey, I'm, I'm great, but I'm super busy right now. That's probably, or, or maybe in fact, one of the first ways we answer too. Our lives are beginning to be marked by our busyness. So here's a question, a relatively transparent question. Are Christians known for their hospitality, or are they known for just being as busy as everybody else? And maybe ask it this way, are you known, am I known, for my hospitality, or for being just as busy as everybody else is? Our days are so filled, our weeks so jam-packed with our own things, the things that we're trying to pursue, that I think we fail to even recognize the opportunities that we could offer hospitality to other people. We become so focused on our own stuff that we just miss it. We miss chances, we miss opportunities, we miss conversations where we could potentially lean in to this value because we're too busy trying to catch up on our own lives. The second way that I see this play out in the creation of space is allowing interruptions. The reality is that hospitality is not the most convenient thing. To truly be hospitable, you have to be open, and your life has to be open to interruption. The time when your neighbor comes across the street and wants to talk, but you have other things going on. When you're doing a project in the backyard, and a friend stops by, and you know if you talk to them, you're not going to finish your project. That's a tension, and I've been there. But to truly be hospitable, you have to be open 
to the interruptions that happen. I had a, a story of this actually where somebody offered me hospitality and I was too busy and I didn't allow for the interruption and I feel like it, it didn't necessarily estrange our relationship but it made it so that the distance we had to go to get there took a lot longer. We had moved in to my, uh, into our home in Coeur d'Alene when we lived there. Uh, my wife and I's first house and our neighbor Tom, uh, a classic guy, Tom was the neighborhood watchdog so he was retired, and he just stood in his garage all day long. And I'm not joking about that. He would either stand in his garage or sit in his garage in a chair and just kind of watch the neighborhood. Uh, he obviously didn't have a ton to do. Um, he drank exclusively Bud Light, and he, he said because he can't do the diesel anymore, so he had to go unleaded. <laughs> Tom was, I mean, when you think of men that live in North Idaho, you think of Tom. He... Um, so, you know, with maybe within the first couple weeks of, uh, of moving into our house, Tom offers, uh, offers a beer to me. And I just, we, we had just kind of, maybe even a day before, the day previous to that, I had talked to him about being in youth ministry, which is where I was currently working. And I just said, oh, Tom, I, that's a really nice offer. I just can't right now. I got other stuff going on. And uh, I was doing a project. I don't even know what I was doing. But he never offered me another beer after that. And I think... The reality is, is um, it probably was paired with two things. He probably heard me say I'm a youth ministry guy and paired that with Christianity and said, oh, he probably doesn't drink. Uh, but then I just kind of shut down his offer because I was too busy to recognize what he was doing. And it took Tom and I a lot longer, I think, to get to that place where our friendship and our relationship was actually deep because I didn't allow for that interruption. I shut him down at the pass. I didn't step into that moment because I was unwilling to change what I was doing, I was unwilling to allow for that interruption. Truth be told, I, I mean, I don't even remember what I was doing, but, but I would have loved nothing more than to share a Bud Light with Tom and to hang out. And I probably would have remembered that moment and, and our relationship would have been much more significant, I believe, if I had allowed for that interruption in that time. We have to allow for the interruptions. We have to hold on to our schedules loosely, our pursuits loosely and say, hey, if people jump into my world, I'm going to allow them to stay there for a little while. The second thing that I think we need to do is to be present. This idea of presence. How many people have been in a meeting, been to somebody's house, where the person that you're there for is cleaning or checking their emails or on their cell phones almost the entire time? Anybody been in that situation before? How many how many of you have been that person actually checking your emails? Yeah. Th this, is, this is a tough one. And this is a strong statement, but I think it's true. Our inability to be present with individuals is becoming epidemic. Our lives are becoming increasingly fractured with every year that goes on. Now, cell phones are an incredible thing. It helps us to communicate. I wouldn't get rid of mine. It's great. It's wonderful but they are forcing us or causing us to be an incredibly fractured people where we are in the middle of conversations, texting and checking things and doing all sorts of stuff. And email, and it's not just cell phones, it's, it's the whole deal. I think we actually are losing the ability to be present with people. You're in a meeting, you're at somebody's house, you're at work, you're doing three things at a time, you're texting, you're updating your Facebook status, you never really know what's going on, and you're sitting across from somebody who's trying to talk to you. It's actually becoming epidemic. 
This is a quote here. This is what it says. Is it possible to invite someone in, but also to communicate to them in a thousand small ways that we have other things that we need to be doing or that we are making a substantial sacrifice to be with them? I believe this one right here, this idea of presence, is the greatest way to negate your hospitality when you were less than present with people. And we've all been in those situations, and we know what it's like to sit across from somebody who we know is not really present with us. The second thing under presence is listening. How many people have been in a conversation with somebody where they know the other person is not listening? How many people have been the person not listening in that conversation? Where you actually need to stop them and say, I'm sorry, for the last five minutes I completely tuned out. I have no idea what you were saying. (laughs) We've all been there at times. Listening is absolutely an art. I think in a similar way, we've all been in conversations where you sit across from somebody and you actually know and feel like you are being heard in that moment. And I don't know if there's a better feeling than that. When you're truly sharing with somebody and the person listening to you is actually listening and hearing what you are saying. Those are the people that we tend to seek out. Those are the people that we tend to want to be with. That is an incredibly simple way to be hospitable to other people. Is just practice the art of good, healthy listening you're present with somebody and you're listening and hearing what they say. It's easy because it can be done anywhere. So if you take one small step today, maybe that's the easiest step just to say, I'm going to be a better listener. I'm going to be more present with people when I'm with them. So this third idea, responding to needs. This one, I think, forces us to kind of claw out of our own selfishness and see the world from other people's perspectives. This is the one where you begin to see what others need before they even ask for them. And I think traditionally, mothers are fantastic at this. My wife, we have, we have a couple of, we have three young boys, and uh, I'm married to an incredible woman, and, and she's a new mom, just of three years now. But she meets the needs of our sons in ways that I don't even understand. They're just beginning to talk right now, and they will say strings seven syllables together that make zero sense, don't really sound like anything, and she knows exactly what they mean and what they need and how to grab their hand and take them to get it. I think moms are notoriously excellent at meeting their kids' needs before their kids even really know what they need. I think we all need to maybe be a little more motherly in that way. When we're in conversations with people, when people are in our homes, that before they even say it, before it comes out of their mouth, we recognize the needs of someone else and try to meet those things. Again, this takes sacrifice. All this stuff takes sacrifice. But if we follow after the king who is hospitable, this is what it means for our lives. Let me pause and have a moment of confession this morning. It's always dangerous when you hear <laughs> somebody up front say that. It's not that dangerous, I promise you. But how many people have tasted the coffee at New Community? Raise your hand. How many people have just stopped drinking the coffee at New Community because it's so terrible? Raise your hand. <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. So <laughs> if you like it, that's great. We love you. <laughs> we need more of you around here. 
our coffee is notoriously horrific. And that's not that strong of a phrase, honestly. It is not good. But here's, here's where the confession comes up. That's been a way that we as a church could be hospitable to other people. We've recognized that, and yet we've really done nothing to change it. So as Russ and I talked about this as a staff, we began to kind of dialogue about, hey, how are we really leaning in to these values? How is our church hospitable? That was one way where we said, hey, that's going to take a little bit of extra work on our part. We're going to have to get a different coffee system. We're going to have to get a wholesale account, all this kind of stuff. But here's the deal. It's a way that we can be hospitable to people. Not only the people that we know and love and trust and are, are members here and would really just enjoy a cup of actually decent coffee in the morning, but to new people that come in. If their first interaction is pouring out a cup of sludge out of that thing, that's not a great first impression, right? And so here's our confession is we've recognized a need, but we haven't really acted towards doing anything for it. We haven't taken that next step because it's just one thing to recognize the need, but then it actually takes the sacrifice to go ahead and meet that need. And so hear me this morning, we are making small steps. This morning we purchased all of the coffee from right down the, the way at Hallett's. Now I know that's a small step, but here's in the future what we're doing is we're actually putting in a coffee maker with a water filtration device and we've got a wholesale account with Doma and we're actually going to try to have decent coffee because we feel like if we're going to talk about hospitality as a value, then we have to be willing as a church to step into that and look for ways that we can be hospitable. Thank you for the clapping back there. I needed that. <laughs> wow. Now, coffee is it's kind of a silly example, but I think it really highlights the point. Where as a community of people, we need to recognize needs and then go ahead and make steps towards meeting them. Responding to needs is that third way, really practical way that we can practice better hospitality. Let me end with a, with a kind of a last statement here. Historically, Christian hospitality has been understood as love of the stranger or inviting a stranger into somebody's home. In the Greek, it actually means that. It means to show love to a stranger. Now, there are all kinds of cultural reasons why opening your home to a stranger is probably not the best idea at this point. There's all kinds of cultural reasons why picking up the hitchhiker on... I-90 is probably not the best bet at this point. But here's the deal. If we're going to be true to the Bible, then we have to at least wrestle with this idea. Wrestle with the idea that true hospitality is welcoming and loving the stranger. And I'm convinced that we can be hospitable to a stranger without ever having to open our homes, without ever having to pick somebody up. You can be hospitable by creating space, by being present, by responding to needs in a short conversation, in the grocery store line. Being hospitable doesn't just mean that you open your home. It means being that kind of person in every environment in your world. And so when you meet the crazy guy downtown, just being present in that conversation, being open, listening, responding to needs if you can, those are all ways that we can show hospitality, that we can once again be a part of the kingdom, a kingdom that values hospitality. For some people, that may be the challenge that you need. Maybe it does need to be more towards strangers. For others, this could be new and you could say, man, I'm not even hospitable with my own family. Let me start there. 
Let me start by just opening my home to my family, to my friends. Let me start by hosting a small group. That could be a, a significant first step, and that's okay. For others who feel like, hey, I've made some strides in this, it may be time to begin to wrestle with this idea of how am I hospitable to the stranger? How am I opening my life and my home to people I may not know? What does that look like? These are things that we need to wrestle with as a community. Our hospitality has, it has to reach beyond the people we already love and know at some level. It has to reach out to our neighbors. It has to reach out to strangers. And we can all be hospitable without having to open up our homes. But we do need to wrestle with this idea. I'm going to end by reading a beautiful piece of scripture out of the book of Matthew. And I'm not going to actually teach it all on it. I'm just going to read it. Later, as we continue to study Matthew, we will teach on this passage. But I think it really highlights this idea of hospitality. I grew up in a Methodist church, and so in a Methodist church, when you read from the Gospels, we all stand together. So let's stand out of reverence. You can follow along with me. It's Matthew 25, 31 through 40. You can close your eyes if you just need to hear the scripture. This is what it says. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it unto one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. We offer hospitality because God first offered it to us. We offer hospitality because in some true and real and mystical way, we are actually serving Jesus Christ when we serve other people. Let's remember that hospitality is not just simply one of our seven values, but it is a value of the kingdom. It is a call of being a follower of Jesus Christ that we live open lives towards other people. So let's celebrate this morning. Let's celebrate the fact that we serve a hospitable king. The fact that he has opened his table and he has said, come take of the bread and take of the cup. And let's celebrate through communion this morning the full acceptance from unmerited favor of God, that he has accepted us as one of his own. He has offered his table to us, and he calls us to do the same with the people in our lives. Let me pray. Lord, we again thank you that you are 
a hospitable king. You are the eternal host. You have welcomed us and accepted us into your family by no doing of our own. We praise you for that, Lord. We praise you. We exalt your name. Lord, we ask that you would help us to move in your kingdom in that same way. Allow us and help us to be hospitable. Help us to open our homes, but more than that, to open our lives towards other people. Lord, allow us to be present. Allow us to respond to needs. To allow interruptions. All those things, God, we just ask that you you would help us in this endeavor. God, we love you and we praise you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.